The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Good morning, a warm welcome to Tenem Express. Your station your frequency 91.3 FM audio streaming at www.vocfm.co.za 95.0 FM in the Boland and 90.7 90.9 Ocean to Ocean. In the segment, we focus on a health segment that is Alice Daniel syndrome, known as AIDS. We have Dr. Claude Bailey, a clinical geneticist, online with us. Dr. Bailey, good morning to you and a warm welcome. Good morning and thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us this morning. Just to explain to our listeners perhaps what a clinical uh, genesis is all about. We know that you're a medical doctor by profession as well. Yes, so um, I'm a medical doctor who um, has uh, specialised in genetic conditions. So we diagnose and manage people that have a genetic diagnosis and we assist them with things like counselling about the diagnosis, explaining recurrence risks and explaining what the condition is, making the diagnosis and facilitating things like genetic testing. Dr. Bailey, okay. so just a question, do you work on your own or do you uh, network with other um, uh, you know, uh, medical research fraternities as well? So we are, there are not many medical geneticists in South Africa, but at all the big university hospitals like UCT and Stellenbosch, um, Ritz and Bloemfontein and KZN, uh, there is a, there are genetic departments and we all work together, um, to provide a service for our patients, uh, in South Africa. You want to tell us more about the Ehlers Danlos syndrome and um, what causes it? So, um, Ehlers Danlos syndrome is a group of what we call connective tissue disorders, um, which are, there, there are many, many different types. So you'll know that your connective tissue is what gives our body strength and elasticity um, that allows our body to be able to move properly. Um, and we find connective tissue all over our body. So it's part of your joints, it's part of your skin, it's part of your blood vessels. And a person with a connective tissue disorder like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome has got abnormal connective tissue. Um, so that, can, that is what is responsible for causing their signs and symptoms. And it is a genetic condition. So that means it is often inherited from a parent. Um, and these conditions overlap. There's many different types of connective tissue disorders, of which Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is a group of conditions that fit into this category of connective tissue problems. Okay. When you say normally, um, you know, from one of the, uh, is it, would it be one of the parents or both parents? And, um, you know, um, is it recently discovered or has it been there but not very, um, you know, uh, known to the community? So in this, in this type of condition, you could have an affected parent and you remember that you get a copy of every gene from one of your parents. Yes. So a, a person who's affected has got two copies of a gene and one of the copy will have a, what we call a genetic change or mutation in it and will be affected with the condition. And therefore their offspring, their children would have a 50-50% chance of inheriting that genetic change or not inheriting it. So it's what we call an autosomal dominant condition, meaning that it's got a 50-50% occurrence risk. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always very curious to know when we speak about getting it from the, the parents, would it be mostly common in maybe females or males tell us about it or is it, would there be no preference with regards to gender? 
for, for this type of condition, it's mostly, like I said, inherited in the autosomal dominant pattern. So it can affect both males and females. Um, but there are certain genetic conditions that we know only affect males um, or only affect females. And sometimes you can have a genetic condition that occurs for the first time in a family without the parents being affected, where both parents might, for instance, be carriers of a genetic condition, but they are unaware. Those we call recessive conditions. Um, but in some circumstances, a genetic condition can occur for the first time in an individual without any family history. Is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome painful and how is it treated, Dr. Bailey? So if we, think, if we look at, at Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, it affects connective tissue. So often what people will have is they've got abnormal joints. So their joints are usually very hypermobile. So they are prone to getting dislocations of their joints. These are usually the type of people that are able to contort their body into very uh, strange and unusual positions because their joints are so loose. Um, so th- those people are at risk for having dislocations of their joints, but they're also prone to having arthritis of their joints when they are older. Um, they can often also have very unusual skin, so their skin can be very elastic um, and very soft and their skin can bruise very easily and they can have very poor wound healing. So if they have any small bumps or anything like that, they can get quite severe um, cuts and lacerations from it, which is important if they go for things like operations. And then the other symptoms that they can get really depends on the type of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that they have. So, for example, the hypermobile type of EDS, usually they've just got predominantly very loose joints, they often can have quite debilitating joint pain. But it can be very variable even in the same family. And there are other types of Ehlers-Danlos syndromes where it affects your blood vessels, so they are more prone to more serious complications. Um, But even, like I said, like the the, the types of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that a person has, some people it can be very debilitating to other people they can manage quite okay with it but even the same family doesn't mean that they are all going to be affected in a similar way okay so um i was told that there um you know people are also called um zebras and why is this so this is the 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 erlos danlos society is a worldwide society for people with erlos danlos syndrome and they've recognized that they are quite unique because Often it is a diagnosis that people have missed. They haven't thought about the diagnosis because it could be seen as a rare condition like many genetic conditions are. So like zebras, they are are all unique because they might all look the same from far, but if we look closer, their stripes are all unique and very different, which just shows us that although there are patients with the same condition, um, they all are very different and individual. But together, the society has got this uh, this strength about them that if they work together in a group and they promote the condition, then people will have more awareness about it and they strengthen numbers. Indeed. It seems that, um, you know, when we're looking at people joining the circus, the, all those contortionists, they probably, you know, in, in older age, they have these problems or are being, will be diagnosed with them. It's as well. Yes, many of those, many of those are quite the, the, the typical um, hypermobile pay, uh, people, those people that are able to contort their bodies and fit into a box and dislocate their joints themselves. 
those people are very likely have a connective tissue problem and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is quite common amongst those people and like like you say like when they're older they can have quite significant joint problems and disability. Dr. Bailey I hope you don't mind we have Hassa Garson who's been in the medical fraternity for many years but was boarded because of her condition as well yes. so we're going to ask Hassa just to you know speak about her condition and when it was first diagnosed. Assalamualaikum to you Hafsa and a warm welcome. You want to tell us about yourself and when you were diagnosed? Um, it was a long journey for me, like every EDS uh, person that experienced EDS. I was diagnosed by Dr. Bailey in September, um, yes, last year, and each of with hypermobility, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but uh, everybody is unique with, uh, when you have Ehlers-Danlos. So I was referred by my pain specialist because nothing was helping for me and my condition just deteriorated. And Dr. Wilson said, no, 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 he, yeah, it's definitely wrong. Because when I started the symptoms at 44, by 45, I was disabled before my diagnosis. Okay. You were working at the time, weren't you? Yes, I was working at the time. How did, it, how did this affect your condition, affect your work? Um, it did affect a lot of absenteeism. Um, people didn't understand my condition. And um, you, 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 you get victimized at work because when you come to work, they say, you must work. And if you can't perform your duties and you tell them you can't perform, then they don't take cognizance that you are living with pain. Okay. I'm just coming back. Um, Shukran, we're going to come back to you, Hafsa. Um, Dr. Bailey, how common is AIDS in South Africa and um, internationally? Um, are these statistics, known statistics? So it's always difficult to know um, for rare conditions or rarer genetic conditions what how common it is because I think so much of it might be missed or there might be a misdiagnosis. But worldwide, we're looking at about an incidence of one in 5,000 to 1 in 20,000 across the board for Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So for a genetic condition, that's not completely uncommon. We see it quite, we can, we see, we see it quite often in the clinics. Okay, so just the question then, does it become more intense as it's being passed down from generation to generation? No, it's a, no it, you, could, you could have the situation where you've got a mildly affected parent who might not even have had any complications or any disability from the condition. They might have a child that has, is similarly affected or more severely affected or even more mildly affected. It's, it's got to do with um, the way that the condition expresses itself. So start, we call it variable expressivity. Some people are more mildly affected, other people are more severely affected. So when um, Hafsa was first diagnosed by yourself, did you do a family history check as well? Tell us about it. Yes, so with guts, uh, what we did, whenever we see a patient that we think has got a genetic condition, we take a family pedigree, so we do a very comprehensive family history. And then what we do is we do a clinical examination um, and we examine according to what the, 
the EDS Society guidelines are, and then we are able to make a clinical diagnosis. And once we have uh, what we suspect is a clinical diagnosis, we are able to do genetic testing. But for the type of EDS that uh, Mrs. Garçon has, there is no, we do not yet know what the genetic fault is. So it is for hypermobile EDS, it is a uh, clinical diagnosis, and we make that diagnosis because of the guidelines and because we exclude other medical and other genetic conditions. Dr. Bailey, we're looking at young children, you know, sometimes having, um, you know, playing with the, with the, um, the shoulder sockets and sometimes the elbows as well, because for them, it's, it's, it's kind of funny when you can do it. And it's, and it's, and it's amazing because nobody else can do it. Um, does it mean that playing with it at a young age can be detrimental? And also that at that stage already for parents, you know, um, to be really cognizant and rather go out and have your child test and see what is happening and not just take it for granted. No, I think I think a lot of children are normally more hypermobile than adults are. That's just the way that the body works. So okay. most children have got quite laxish feeling joints. But if you've got a child that's got more than that, so if you've got a child where the joint is dislocating by itself or it dislocates with minimal trauma and other problems like skin problems or anything else that the parents are worried about, then it's always good to mention this to your doctor and to say, Look, this, feel, this feels unusual, unusual for me, so that we can assess it further. But like, um, but, but sometimes with EDS, we only see these things much older when we realise that people become moving around and they have are more active that they get the joint dislocation. What was amazing was that Hafsa was in the medical fraternity. She couldn't, you know, go to work, and before even being diagnosed, she already dis- experienced much discomfort and probably, um, like she said, debilitating. Um, um, you know, the, the the pain itself was debilitating. Hafsa, just coming back to you, was it just the pain or was it moving around? Tell us more about it. It it was the, that uh, sometimes. Um, um, I belong to a lot of EDS groups um, mm-hmm. because there's 50 groups in the UK also and um, I'm co-founder of the EDS group a Holistic Alternative in Alabama, USA so the, um, with the HEDS there is also a mutation a defect that the collagen that you're producing it is not it's abnormal. So everything in your body works over time. Your legs, everyone, the muscles, your muscles can't handle it. And due to that, I have almost 10 comorbidities related to the, uh, the HEDS that I have. Okay. Um, just a question. At what, when, did, uh, when was your first, um, you know, symptom? Uh, at what age? Um, I used to complain as a child about pains in my legs and, and back pain. But my mom used to say, no, it's growing pains. And then um, give pain tablets. But uh, it... Uh, I had this chronic fatigue syndrome um, because one of the signs is chronic fatigue. I had it all my life, being tired, yes, and um, and um, yes, and then also I experienced uh, um, 
before diagnosis, 2016, I had a mass, a mass of 30 centimeters uh, on my ovarian tube, which they had to remove. So that is also connective tissue involved. And they couldn't remove everything. So I have lumbar plexus nerve damage also. Okay. So it it goes hand in hand with the comorbidities. HEDS can sometimes have other EDS symptoms also. And like um, I have fibromyalgia, I have bilateral carpal tunnel. cannot use my hands. Effectively, lots of people in my right hand. I've got cardiomegaly, that is enlargement of your heart, and atrial enlargement. I've got Welcome to your Tandem Express. We're focusing on Ehlers-Danlis Syndrome with Dr. Claude Bailey, clinical geneticist, as well as our guest, that is Hafsa Gazan, who is a patient of Dr. Bailey as well. Dr. Bailey, we've heard Hafsa, and you know, I was going to ask her, and I was thinking of this, she's mentioning so many diagnoses, and I'm thinking, what is it that you do not have? She, but there's two things that she, she's mentioned, and, and I think the one is um, collagen. So can one supplement collagen, and will it uh, um, help, in, in, and in, in, in what way can it help? So, yeah, I think, firstly, if, you know, if you see if somebody who's got so many com- comorbidities and things going on, we always try, you know, we always go try to piece them together, and I think that is the case of with gaps, all those symptoms over time, we were able to put together and it made sense to the diagnosis. Um, but the collagen, um, there are studies going on about taking collagen and how it would protect your collagen. But we have to remember that the, the problem is a genetic problem. So the, the, your genes are the instructions for your body to make proteins that make up your collagen. So if you have an instruction that isn't working, you are making ineffective collagen. And that collagen is already all over your body. So using supplements like collagen, the studies are not really that definitive in saying if it, would, if it helps or not, or it doesn't help. Some people find that it might help them, but many people find that there is really, it really doesn't make a difference. And it's because of what the structure of their collagen is like already. The collagen that you supplement with isn't going to replace the collagen that you have between your joints and blood vessels and skin. 
there's, you know, there's a saying that if pain persists for more than a few days or, you know, when you're taking um, analgesics, uh, pain medication, it says not to take it for um, a long, you know, a long period or over long period. You need to take it for a certain time and then go and see a doctor. Do you think that if, you know, doctors had maybe discovered the fact that she's been on so many pain medication and for so long from a very young age that something else must have been, you know, um, you know, there, there must be another diagnosis for it. You know, I think the thing is that it, it has to do with it, there are so many medical conditions that present with joint, that can present with joint pain, like rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, that's mentioned, uh, a condition called fibromyalgia, yes. which are all very um, important and not uncommon conditions. Um, but I think with Gasser, if we, if we remember, we took her history, it's been something that she's been having since childhood. So, um, you know, that really gives you a clue that it is something that is possibly genetic. And also in the family history, we often see, oh, but there's a sibling that's got hypermobile joints or one of the parents had a history of joint dislocations. And that's why I think it's so important to take a good family history and to take a good personal history to really see when the onset of the symptoms were. Dr. Bailey, we're looking at Hafsa, which, um, you know, um, I suppose you grade patients as well. I'm not too sure on, on, on what scale, how you do it, but it, it, her condition seems to be very intensive. What about, you know, patients who are not as intense? Um, can they still live a normal life? Um, can they still, you know, go on to medication and, 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 and do things as per normal, have children and also, you know, still have a job? Yes, yeah. I think and I think this has got to do with how variable the condition can be. So that's unfortunately is really at the very severe end of the spectrum where she's got a lot of the complications. But there are other patients that have got very minor minor symptoms and have completely full and active lives and can have, you know, um no issues at work, a family, children without any problems. The, the reason why it might be important for them to have a diagnosis is because of things like the wound healing. If they've got wound healing difficulties, okay. um, you know, it's important to know prior to going for surgery and things like that that they might have complications. Indeed. Earlier on, Hafsa mentioned being um, on Facebook in the, you know, and that um, she is co-founder of its Holistic Alternative Support Group uh, in Alabama, USA as well. Um, how many, you know, when you speak about support groups globally, but when we're looking at locally, Hafsa, um, how many people are in your support group currently? And, you know, is there a national support group, you know, locally in South Africa as well? Um. I belong to the South African uh, EDS group. Okay. We are quite small, and um, um, all of us is registered by the Rare Disease Society that um, gives also some uh, assistance and counseling uh, for us. And our EDS, well, um, Warriors, the zebra warriors, we attach ourselves to someone. So I went on, UK's got 50 groups. I went on, because seeking knowledge is for me important. So I went on various groups, USA, UK, and then I share my knowledge with the other EDF in South Africa. I will post something if it's informative. But I have connected with the EDS. It's very important to connect with someone that has EDS. And I connected with Tanya, that is in Cape Town. And she 
he also gives me a lot of emotional support. So the emotional support is quite important. Okay. Just a question. You mentioned, Tanya, um, family support. How important is that as well? And do you have good days? I, I, want to foc- I want you to focus on one of the special good days that you've had. Tell us about it. Um, the good days, what I have done, Dr. Bailey knows about it. I've been very proactive. When I got the diagnosed, I... I, I, I did, um, I did it, it was for me so important to support others with pain. And I started my own pain WhatsApp group, support group. Because um, they are needs. Uh, when you have pain, people misunderstand you totally. And um, they're all struggling with the family, understanding your pain, because pain can't show on your face. So people will look at you and say, but, um, but you, look, you look so martial. Um, how can you have so many illnesses? But it's not the cover page that is affected inside the body. So I'm very proactive. Although I am struggling with my hands and, and I, I am proactive and that is how you must be because what I tell my pain survivors is focus on your face and remember you are special and uh, the Almighty has given you strength and courage so use it wisely. On that note, we need to go for another ad break. Dr. Bailey, we'll be back with you when we do come back. Hafsa, please stay online with us as well. Welcome to Atena Express. We're focusing on the Ehlers Danlos Syndrome this morning with clinical geneticist Dr. Claude Bailey, and we have Hafsa as one of the patients of Dr. Bailey as well. Dr. Bailey, when we speak about you know diagnosis, how long is the clinical assessment before um, confirmed diagnosis being made? Um, so we have a consultation that's usually about uh, an hour long, but we have to gather a lot of information. Um, from the other healthcare providers that have seen the patient before the time. Um, and we, after a clinical examination, often with genetic things, it can be, it can be complicated, so we have to um, you know, really think about the diagnosis and we often have to discuss it with colleagues. Um, and then once we have a diagnosis that seems to fit the criteria, um, there is a, you might need to confirm the diagnosis with a test. However, like I mentioned in Gasser's case, hypermolar EDS, we don't know the genetic fault yet. Um, so in that case, we uh, make that diagnosis clinically. Okay. So um, is it important then maybe to diagnose earlier or when you feel, you know, like Hassa has mentioned, growing up, parents telling it's growing pains and all that if it you know goes over what age basically if you're in, in puberty should you take more um, you know note of the pain that you're feeling and where the pain really is yeah I think I think if somebody is concerned they should always have a good communication with the 
uh, with their house doctor or their physician or whoever they see, and let them know what they what their concern is, so that they can look into it a bit deeper. Um, and like you say, the the earlier you have a diagnosis, the quicker you can start things like remedial therapies, like occupational therapy, physiotherapy, being a biokineticist. And also having a diagnosis is important because you can, there are certain surveillance that you have to do as well for these patients. Like Gabsa mentioned, she could, she's got a cardiac problem. And those are the types of things that we could look out for and manage before they become a serious problem. Is there enough support in the government structures in hospitals to support people with this condition, Dr. Bailey? I think in South Africa it's so difficult because we have got a very uh, overburdened healthcare system. And unfortunately, um, people with chronic problems and pain and things like that sometimes find it difficult to get into the system in the first place. Um, I think Gabsa was very lucky because she had such a good pain specialist looking after her. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of times patients unfortunately have to be the drivers to get the things that they need um, and they need to push for it, um, which is obviously very difficult. Um, so it's, you know, it's difficult to say. I think that we can be doing a lot more for these patients, especially patients with chronic pain um, and with genetic conditions. We, we really need to advocate more for them. And that's why somebody like Gatsa, who's gone, gone ahead and got a pain support group and doing so much for other patients with EDS is a phenomenal thing to do. I think for her that is more fulfilling, isn't it, Hafsa? Mm. Uh, yes, for me it's more fulfilling because for me it is important to support others and also to seek knowledge. Okay. And, yeah. Hafsa, what's your final words to somebody that's been recently diagnosed with EDS? The f- final words is never give up hope. Don't think about what is going to go wrong. I think uh, uh, feed your mind with positive thoughts all the time because if you have positive thoughts and affirmations, you will have positive results. I love that. I love that. And that's our inspiration for this morning. Doctor, finally, from your side, and I, and I wouldn't want to really, um, you know, ask with, uh, with regards to life expectancy with somebody with EDS, but perhaps we should ask that as well. You know, there's, there are certain types of EDS where there could be reduced life, life expectancy, like the severe vascular types. Yes. But the, the hypermobile types, they, they can expect to have a normal life expectancy and they can have a, you know, a good quality of life as well. Um, but I think things like, like Gatsa said, I mean, I can't say better than what she said. You know, just having people that can support you is the most valuable. Indeed. If people wish to know more, Dr. Bailey, is there a website they can visit with regards to Ellis and the syndrome? I think a good website would be the Rare Diseases website, which, which um, Gatsa um, went to, um, and rarediseases.co.za. They are very helpful there where people can get in touch with them, and they could put you in touch all over who would be an appropriate person for you to see and who would be appropriate support people to have. So I think if I had to give you anything, I think their website would be the best. I'm not sure if Gatsa would agree. Um, And I'm going to ask Gatsa also to maybe share her Facebook page with our listeners, uh, that support group, which is so important. Um, It's a WhatsApp support group. Okay. Uh, So they can contact me in 074-960-960. 